Hi, I'm Dr. Daniel Bynes. I'm Amanda. I'm Jonathan. And I'm Dr. Katie Elson. And together, we are The The Brain Brain People. A group of real, practicing mental health professionals. This podcast is a one-stop shop for all your mental health needs. We'll give you the tools to beat depression and anxiety one episode at a time. Are you ready? Let's go. Okay, everyone, here we are with Stacy Bartley, and she is a relationship educator and mentor. And maybe, Stacy, you can tell us a little bit more about what that means. Yes, thank you, Amanda. It's so great to be here. I always love connecting with beautiful minds and support of the work that you do here. It's my true honor and pleasure. I call myself a relationship educator and mentor because it really is the crux of what I do. My journey actually started, I received my first credential as a therapist back in 1996. And that journey sent me on a meander. And there were many times in the journey where, you know, as we all do, I can't figure it out. I don't know what I'm going to be when I grow up. And and you would try so that I'd step into nursing school and I'd go through nursing school and think, oh, this isn't quite it. No, it's the digestive health journey, right? Let's learn about that and raw food, you know, cooking and learning and how to take care of our healthy bodies and minds. Jumped in to be a colon therapist. And then I went back to psychology because that's really my love and passion. The only thing that I knew for sure is that I love human beings. I Mm -hmm. think they are so amazing in so many ways. And um, I've wanted to just figure myself out too, right? So many uh, of us that find ourselves working with human beings are in the process of also trying to figure ourselves out because you know you're a hot mess yourself, right? And (laughs) A lot of people work their way through this. Yes, and and, and we need that motivator. Mm -hmm. And um, so as I was motivating myself and trying to figure myself out, I learned all these really great skills and in psychology and neuroscience and quantum physics and uh, physical health as well. Um, And it's kind of crescendoed into this whole thing of divorce mediation, relational mediation. I've even taken courses on hostage negotiation. And it all lends me to a place where I just want to teach people how to have better relationships in their lives because I know that at the end of the day, Mental health challenges are 100% a result of places emotionally with myself or with others that I feel stuck or I can't navigate. So that mediation, education, mentorship part is what I now know I've planted my flag on and know that it will be a place where I'll live the rest of my life out in one form or fashion. So, Yeah, it sounds like you're a jack-of-all-trades therapy-like you know, that's that's really neat. Um, as we're talking about relationships and stuff, because you're here and you're the expert, there are some things, you know, Jonathan and I work a lot with people who are depressed and have anxiety and stuff like that. And we notice that there are relational issues within that, too. And what are some of the issues that you find come up in things with depression and anxiety. Yeah, I think I think the biggest challenge when somebody that you care and love about is struggling with depression and anxiety is we tend to start reeling ourselves, right? Mm-hmm. Because we don't really know what to do at the end of the day. I just see this person that I love and care about. And by the way, the more you care, the harder this is. Okay. The more I really care about you and I see you struggling and not able to get out of bed or you're becoming irrational with your anxiety, the more I, as your supporter, your parent, your lover, become more and more out of control myself. And it usually is because of this idea that somehow I need to fix you. 
I yes. need to do this work for you. And it's my responsibility to help that happen. And this kind of goes way back in regards to the premise that we step into relationships on that's a little bit debunked in the first place where we step to the altar and say, I'm going to make you happy. Will you make me happy too. And we go, yes, I'm in. Are you in? I'm in. Right. And so there's this reeling story that's actually a lie that I'm going to make you happy if we're in love and we're meant to be together when that's not a reality at all. At the Every end of the single day. one of those little fantasy movies that we watch, the happily ever after. Yeah. I don't know. We all buy into that story, mm -hmm. though. And it's almost like I know for me, the more I felt like I was messing up my relationship life, the more I adhered to the story that there was like this framework and these principles that I was going to have to start checking the boxes, right, in order to be successful. So I must need to like be perfect myself mm -hmm. or I'm finding the wrong person because there's this narrative that says if I found the right person or I'm, I'm the perfect person or I'm in the right place, this is supposed to go really well. So what does it mean in my relationship then when the person that I love more than anyone in the whole wide world is breaking down and struggling, it must mean that I didn't do something right. Yeah. And we take that on personally, right? And that's where the whole thing starts to like really skid sideways because, right, there's two people that are now a hot mess that are not really knowing or sure what to do and everybody's taking it on emotionally. And so I become a byproduct of the anxiety or the depression that my my person is struggling with. So just out of curiosity, if the inappropriate narrative would be to come into a relationship and uh, have the perception that it uh, the result of it should be to make you happy. If that's the wrong approach to have, then what would be the sort of correct understanding in regards to uh, the hope that you get from your relationships? The happiness has to come from yourself. Mm -hmm. You're the only person that can make you happy. We don't make anybody else happy. And certainly what I do and how I show up in my life affects other people. But when I start taking on the emotional well-being of someone outside of myself, I'm going to lose the management of my own personal emotional well-being. And now we're going to all be in a hot mess. So one of the things that we feel guilty about when we're supporting somebody that's going through a difficult time mentally and emotionally is we, again, try and fix it. So I'm going to try and point out all the places that they're doing it wrong. Now, here's the thing, listeners, they get that. They know what they're doing wrong. Nobody knows better than they do. There's this wonderful saying that says, you, you can't hurt me. That's my job. Because yep. I got all the intel. I got all the goods. <laughs> I know how I'm spinning it, right? I know what the true intention is. I, I know. That's what I'm having a difficult time with. So as a supporter, if we start pointing out all the places, parts and pieces that they're doing it wrong, right? When are you going to pull it together is a really common one. When are we going to be done with this? When is this going to be over? Why can't you just be happy? These are common things that we say in our efforts to try and support and encourage them without realizing actually that just kind of cements what they already know is true. I really am broken. I really am a hot mess. I really can't pull it together. When? I have. I have no idea, right? But I do know that the more we have this conversation, the worse I feel. So what do we do then if we're in a support role for somebody who's struggling? What they need to hear is that you're there for them, right? What they need to hear is that they have their answers. And as soon as they're ready to tell you how to support them, you're here ready to stand by their side and do just that. What if they don't know 
uh, how you should best be able to support them. I know with a lot of patients with depression or anxiety, you know, they're coming to us as professionals because they don't know. They don't know what is going to be best for them. And then for them to be able to uh, transfer that information to a, a partner or, um, you know, a, a, a child or a parent or whatever it might be, right? Any significant other. Any yeah. significant other in their life. It's a very difficult, it's a difficult conversation to have. So what are some, what are some, you know, tips that you would, you would suggest in, in that regard yeah, like, for them to come to that, that clarity, so to speak? Yeah, I love that. And I think the first thing that we just need to come tr- come, come clean about is I really don't know how to support you. I don't really know what to do so that you don't panic and that you can with inside of your own personal integrity, tell the truth. I don't know how to, let's get some help. And then the support comes from those that are surrounding them as a community that help them identify what it is they need in order to be supported, right? If it comes any other way, if I'm telling you what to do to get over your depression or your anxiety, you're just going to pull away and shut down from me anyway, because you know that that's not what you necessarily need. The only person that's going to know what they need is the person who's going through it. And we as professionals get to help them uncover what that is. And the people that support them in their family are standing by to implement and help them with that. Right. So I really learned this big personally in my own life when I have a daughter that I love so much that struggles with bipolar. And I can't tell you how many me, how many times her mom said, when are you going to start doing this? You know, you remember what the doctor said. You're supposed to do it like this. You're, you know, and now you're not taking your meds. And oh my gosh, we have to go. In, when are we going to be done with this? Right. I was saying those things. And it wasn't until what I realized she needed to hear from me is I believe in your ability to figure this out for yourself. I love you. I'm here for you. I'm cheering you on. I don't know what to do. But I love you and I'm here for you. And I'm, let's go talk to so-and-so and I'll go with you. We'll do this together. I can only imagine this is scary, right? It's That's how we play the supportive role in saying, hey, let's go for a walk or let's go see this person. Come on, I'll go with you. Or let's go for a drive and forget all about this for, you know, 30 minutes. It doesn't have to consume our life. Um, and those are the parts and pieces that we forget as everybody's starting to panic, not knowing what to do. I think something that you just said, too, reminded me that um, I think I heard this. One of the things that people need to hear the most is that there's hope. And the interesting thing about this is this is maybe with the one area that we all feel inadequate about in terms of being the expert. Like I never assume that I'm supposed to know how my car works. I take it to the mechanic. But somehow when somebody in my life might be experiencing depression or anxiety, suddenly I feel like I have to know the answers to it and everything. But even just saying, hey, a lot of people experience depression or anxiety. There are people, experts that know how to deal with this. Let's go ask them what we can do. I know there's an answer somewhere. We just have to figure out what that answer is. And even if we don't know what it is, there are people who can help us with that. And I'll go with you to see that person. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Could we maybe walk through a very specific scenario? And I think you you gave you gave one in that in uh, uh, the self disclosure that that you just gave. So. Um, let's just assume that you as a parent and having a patient or having, excuse me, not a patient, uh, a child that is supposed to be taking prescription medication and they're being reluctant to do so, or what would be an appropriate way to, uh, what would be an appropriate way to approach that situation to where you're not overly 
uh, being critical of them, maybe not taking the medication that would otherwise be helpful for them. But on the flip side, not overly supporting them in the things that they don't want to do that in the long term are also going to be unhelpful for the situation. Mm, my favorite, favorite question, if we ever, ever get stuck, go here. How me, or I'm sorry, help me understand. Help me understand what's going on for you and why you're resistant to take your medication. That way I can be there with you. A question that's sincerely asked is always an invitation in instead of a condemnation for not doing that thing that we all know you should be doing. There's an emotional undertow that correlates with how I show up. In the emotional world, we show up as good as we feel, don't we? So if I'm not feeling so great emotionally, if there's some resistance there in my emotional body, then my physical demonstration or how I show up in my life is going to be the result of the emotional reflection of that. So if somebody is not taking their medication, for example, there's something going on emotionally that we want to uncover. And if I say, why aren't you taking your medication? They're going to go, you know what? Yeah. You don't yeah. even know. You can't even relate. You're not even going to sit down and be with me long enough to understand where I'm coming from. Mm-hmm. But if I were to say, help me understand where you're at, right? Let's forget about the medication. Why don't you want to take it? Help me understand what's going on there. It sounds like if we could break that down, your response, being very empathetic, but then also, you know, phrasing in a way of, of asking questions, right? To kind of dig at the root cause of it. Because if once they feel like they're heard, right, and and that's something that um, I would love to to gift the audience today, if I could, a, yeah. a, a simple framework that will kind of bring this all together called fairy dust. <laughs> <laughs> we call it fairy dust because you'll remember it. Mm-hmm. <laughs> we could do it all the clinical terms and names, but if I say fairy dust, you'll remember it. But yes, absolutely. If if somebody is going to feel condemned or shamed or, or um, belittled or criticized or minimized for what it is they're wrestling with emotionally. I mean, just think all of us human beings pull away, shut down. We, we're not motivated to do the things that we know we need to do if I'm feeling criticized, belittled, minimized, shamed, mm-hmm. guilty. Look, I know I'm not taking my medication. There's nobody who's going to know that better than me. But what we're not uncovering is what's the emotional undertow as to why I don't want to take the medication. And taking this back to my daughter, bipolars are classic for not taking their medication. (laughs) Oh, I can't even tell you how many rounds and rounds of conversations we had about, oh my gosh, you know, I'm, I'm check, I'm now I'm checking, right? And there's like three weeks worth of pills in here. Come on, man. What are you doing? Right? No wonder. And then you start going, oh, no wonder you, you did that. You know, it's all starting to make sense to me. Um, totally missing the boat. It wasn't until I would say, help me, help me understand what's going on. And she would say, you know, mania mom is a really great place to be. And you know what? The letdown after that really sucks. Mm -hmm. And I don't know how to manage and balance the space between being here in reality and missing my mania. Wow. That was like huge for me. It wasn't about the medication at all. It was about her own emotional struggle within her own day-to-day emotional experience that she was wrestling with. And she didn't want to take the medication because she didn't want to feel normal. It was much more enjoyable for her to be in the creative zone of writing her songs and singing her music, right? And feeling bigger than life than it was for her to just make sure she ate her vegetables and got to work on time. Mm Mm-hmm. 
Right. Now, the wonderful thing about our imagination is when she learned to take herself to places of imagination on her medication, she realized that she could live in both places, mm-hmm. that there were times where I could take myself in my own mind's eye into that place of imagination and fantasy. But really, I don't want to be there all the time because it really compromises me on the other side of life. And so it's this delicate balance of managing and finding balance with inside of ourselves emotionally, isn't it? And Mm -hmm. physically, how do we show up in our physical bodies and in our physical lives? And how do we navigate and and manage these emotional bodies that we have that are invisible? They're lightning fast, right? And they fluctuate and change on a dime. And they can also, the darn things, time travel, right? Which is sometimes not necessarily where we want to go. But we have to often remember that time travel is also the things that help us remember the good times too, right? Mm-hmm. And so it's it's this human experience that we all embark on as being a human beings where we get to find the balance with inside of ourselves. And so that conversation with her about why weren't you taking your meds helped me understand was a game changer mm-hmm. for helping her understand exactly how to find balance with inside of ourselves physically and emotionally. Can we go into that fairy dust framework that you were describing mm-hmm. just so that our listeners can get uh, can get their, uh, their uh, better understanding of what that framework is yeah. so that maybe their conversation isn't going to be particularly relevant with this medication conversation that we just had, but that they can use that, that framework in order to mm-hmm. address whatever conversation they need yeah. to have. Yeah. If there was ever a fairy dust for relationships, this is it. And it's based on the psychological premise of the three basic things we need as a human being. Number one, we all want to feel heard, mm-hmm. right? You don't have to agree with me, but if you get me, if I feel like you get me, that you hear what I have to say, it's a game changer for me. There's a lot of things that I can let go at that point in time. Number two, I want to know that I'm appreciated. Let's be honest, relationships with ourselves and with each other, they take a gosh darn lot of work. Okay. There's a lot of effort, right? And money and time and resources that are put into creating great relationships. It's a great place of investment. But if I'm not feeling like I'm acknowledged and appreciated for all that I'm doing, I tend to not want to do it anymore, right? We can say that about relationships, work, a lot of other things. And the third principle is at the end of the day, our deepest, darkest fear, as I see it, is that I don't matter, that who I am doesn't matter, right? That I don't matter to you in this relationship, that what we're doing, what we've created or are in the process of creating doesn't matter. And so those are really the three biggies. So understanding that, it really gives us a huge leg up when it comes to knowing how to navigate our relationships. And simply put, at any old time, for any old reason, under any old circumstances, I can relate to or use fairy dust to help me navigate through anything. And in the communication frameworks that I teach to my clients and in workshops is fairy dust is always the beginning and the end of any conversation, especially if it's going to be difficult. So I would say something like, this is a version of fairy dust. Hey, before we have this conversation, I just want you to know that I really appreciate you and you matter to me in this relationship. And at the end of the day, I really want you to feel heard. Okay. Mm -hmm. And this is really hard for me. So here I go. That's fairy dust. We could be in the middle of a fight, right? And we're, ah, things are escalating. And I'm like, oh, pulling my hair out. And before I like reach over the table to choke you, I'm going to say, you know what? I'm (laughs) impassioned about this because I really care about you. I care about this relationship, right? The thing is, is the more emotionally charged we are, the more we care and we forget that. 
I feel this way because I care. And so if we can remember that in a moment to just sprinkle a little fairy dust instead of like, you know, Mm -hmm. say a bunch of things that I don't mean and do a bunch of things that I don't really want to regret later, I can just, and I've said this mad. Oh, I'm so mad right now. And I want you to know I love you. I love you. Give me five minutes. I'm going to come back to this. <laughs> right? It's it's better to sprinkle some fairy dust than it is to allow that to continue. Okay? And, of course, I can just say it for any reason at all. Hey, I, I just want you to know. I love you. You know, you matter to me today. Mm-hmm. Come back home. I can't wait to kiss you again. You know? So the three key things, just to summarize, make sure everybody heard that, is fairy dust equals being heard being appreciated and knowing that we matter. Mm -hmm. Those are the three things that you can sprinkle on any relationship issue, even in the crux of a difficult one. Is the suggestion that when you use the fairy dust technique that you're trying to incorporate all three every time, or is it one or the other, just kind of depending on the context Mm -hmm. of the situation? We all could use all three, Mm -hmm. right? But if you can just remember one, hey, I just want you to know you matter to me, that this relationship matters to me, that this is important to me. I mean, I'm sure you can realize what a game changer that is if I'm stepping in to say, and you know what? You just bounced another check. And I, uh, <laughs> what am I, what are we supposed to help me understand how we're going to clean this up? Okay. Um, it's a game changer. It's the difference between getting all defensive as I step into a conversation or creating a safe place where we can begin the conversation that's really difficult. So I can imagine a lot of people saying, well, that sounds great, but in the mid- in the midst of a heated conversation, it's extremely difficult to do. Mm-hmm. So what are some maybe some tips or techniques or you know, practices or exercises that you might do with your clients to help them get to the point where they can actually feel like they have the capacity to do the fairy dust. Yeah, here it is. The number one thing you can do when things are escalating and you know, we all know when we're starting to turn into a hot mess, we just don't know how to stop it. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Right? I do. (laughs) There's this signal that goes off where it's like, okay, now that's it. Right? There's this place where we go, okay, we're crossing over now. This is going up. At that point in time, my best advice to you is pause, stop. And it sounds easy, but it's really hard. That's the beginning of a framework that I teach called emotional weightlifting. The majority of us as human beings, we're very, very weak when it comes to our emotional bodies because we don't know how to stop. We just let that emotional um, ride that's escalating take us to places we don't want to go without realizing we're in charge. And so as we develop emotional strength and capability there, the best thing for you to practice, and it's going to be so hard, it's going to make your armpits sweaty, and you're going to think, (laughs) oh, I can't do it, I can't do it, I can't. Yes, you can. Do it. Mm -hmm. And then pause and come back to it. Then you can step in with some fairy dust. And if you get good at this, as, as my clients do, you'll get to a point where you can stop and pause in real time and pull out fairy dust in nanoseconds. Mm-hmm. But you have to have the ability and the emotional capacity and strength to stop yourself. Yeah. I was just going to say something because I think I think this is really helpful because when we talk about depression and anxiety, oftentimes we think we have to just do whatever the person in our life is doing when they're depressed and talking about all the depressing stuff or staying isolated. And this is a real tangible way to say, no, I can help the person and be a little firm maybe about it, but I want to remember the fairy dust too, because 
I don't want them to stay stuck. And maybe what I have been doing is creating more of a conflict with them in their state of depression or anxiety. But maybe this is a way to help bring them through that, help bring them through that, not make them do it by using that fairy dust thing. And then transition them to getting help too. Mm -hmm. And you know what, when we have problems, we tend to put fun and play and physical activity and laughter on the table until the problem is solved. Mm -hmm. Now, uh, the only problem with that is the problems are never solved. And especially if we're dealing with something that's a chronic mental health challenge, like bipolar, something you're going to live with for the rest of your life, there has to be time and a place where we also put that on the shelf and go have some darn fun right? That it's okay to go through a challenging time and have some fun, to plan some fun. In fact, we must, because that's going to be the thing that recharges us and gives us the emotional ability and energy to see it through continuously again and again and again. So if you're playing a support role, I really want to, I really want to have your listeners hear this. If you're playing a support role, do your best to not feel guilty and shameful for feeling happy and good when mm -hmm. your partner is struggling. You must. There has to be somebody that holds up the ship. Mm -hmm. There has to be somebody who's in a good place to help us all navigate through this while somebody else is struggling and having a difficult time. And so the best gift you can give yourself is to do everything you possibly can to feel good. And then allow that to trickle over and inspire them and, and create that hope and that fairy dust for them that they also begin to see a way through, right? Mm -hmm. Our, uh, we need hope. We need joy. We need laughter. And all of those things can coexist, believe it or not, when we're going through a difficult time. I think that's really helpful, too, because... Um I used to be a lifeguard when I was a teenager, and one of the things that we always learned is you can't help somebody else unless you're safe. And those things that you're taking care of yourself, you're experiencing joy, you can't help that person that you love in your life if you're not taking care of yourself, because what happens when you jump in there with them, you both go down if you're not taken care of. Mm -hmm. That's well said. Do you have any special advice for individuals or clients that you that you uh, work with that are in the midst of depression? Uh, and as a response to that, they have, you know, low emotional bandwidth, right? Maybe they're very numb, uh, they're low in energy, and they're more apathetic. Uh, maybe they have really low motivation. So, they probably have uh, unique challenges in incorporating these concepts, you know, when you don't have mm -hmm. the, the the same degree of motivation that maybe your partner does. Are there any specific, you know, words of uh, words of advice that you have for those types of individuals? Mm -hmm. In fact, I just had a whole flash of ideas that I don't know how much time we have here, <laughs> but I'll, I'll do my best to, to get through them. Let me start with just a, a personal story of somebody as a family member that was struggling and they were literally on the bathroom floor and couldn't get up crying and sobbing and, and didn't know what to do. Um, the person that was in love with this person that was on the floor knew that their happy place before all of this happened was in the convertible with the top down and a Diet Coke in the cup holder. And they knew and remembered their favorite soundtrack. And so they scooped 
this beautiful soul up and put him in the car and snapped him in. And the whole time they're going, I don't, I don't know. I don't think this is a good idea. You know, I just, I, no, no, it's okay. I got you, right? Let's, let's just go get some sun and some fresh air and, and we'll just go out for as long as you want. And as soon as you want to come back, we'll, we'll come home. Snapped her in the car, swung by, got her a Diet Coke, turned on, right, the, the Charlie Daniels band, full blast, put the top down. Mind you, this is the middle of the night. And they cruise through the canyon for hours. And that's how we support somebody that we love, mm-hmm. right? It's, it's hey, you haven't been off the couch, so you know what? I'm going to go get us some dinner, and I'm going to put it on some beautiful plates and light some candles and play some music in the background, and we'll just eat right here where you are, okay? It'll be fun. It'll be fun. We don't we don't realize what we need is the recharge of fun, of joy, of laughter, right? Of knowing that you're here with me. Be mm-hmm. with me. I love the expression of empathy where I feel with you. I'm not responsible for the way that you feel, but I can be with you in it. And I can add my piece, right? My contribution would be to remind you that we're going to get through this. We got this. We're going to we're going to create a little bit of joy and a little happiness for three minutes, five minutes, 30 minutes, an hour, because we all need to recharge at least for a minute or two and not wait until we've solved this problem. We're going to do it right now. I think a lot of people with depression or anxiety feel as if they're in their own little bubble, right? They feel that their world is the only thing that they're experiencing and that other people just don't understand. So what I'm hearing from you is not not trying to, as a supportive role, not pulling some, trying to pull somebody out of that world, but stepping into it with them and being the best part of that world that they can experience. Mm-hmm. Is that a good way to frame and it? Don't be, yes, I love that. And don't be attached to what happens. Mm-hmm. Don't be attached. You just keep contributing in. And that's why it's so important that you go take care of yourself (laughs) in those rest moments and not get all spun up in it. And then just do your best to continue to invite them to contribute when you feel inspired. A little bit of joy, a little bit of hope, you know, a little bit of fun. It goes a long way. A little teeny tiny bit goes a very long way. And and if I may, one of my favorite descriptions of depression is depressed expression of self. Because I shut down, I stopped doing the things that I used to do. I stopped, you know, taking care of my body, doing my hair, dressing, putting on makeup, wearing something that makes me feel good. I stopped painting. I stopped writing. I stopped singing. I stopped white. I mean, we could go on and on, right? Mm -hmm. Depressed expression of self. So it's going back to some of those things, like I mentioned in the story. It's going back to some of those things that help remind them of who they really are. And getting them to do it for two minutes, three minutes, five minutes. Just express yourself. I want to hear what you have to say. And typically that's not what we do, right? We're, mm-hmm. we're talking to them about this problem and that they're broken. And, and um, that just makes them feel like they're more depressed and they have to stay more in dormant state mm-hmm. instead of saying, no, show up. I want to hear what you have to say. What, what do you want to have for dinner? What do you, right? And you'll notice for somebody who's deep in depression, that's really difficult. Like, what do you mean? Well, I don't want to think about what we're going to have for dinner. No, no, I want to make your favorite dish. Or I'm going to make your favorite dish, like it or not. And I'm going to set up, you know, a little picnic on the floor or, or under the table. Get goofy. Novelty mm-hmm. is huh, so missed. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it doesn't have to be big and elaborate. But, you know, sometimes in the throes when I have clients that are having a really difficult time, I was like, okay, everybody stop. I need you to have this conversation hanging upside down, like right now. Like fight hanging upside down. Go ahead and try it. 
And you can't. You can't do it because it's just so bloody silly. And then you get over it, right? Um, novelty can be a huge gift that mm-hmm. we can use or a huge tool that we can use in situations like this too. So uh, in, in closing, we've said a lot of different things today. I was just hoping that you could maybe give our listeners a summary of the most important highlights that they can take to their next conversation um, that maybe they're having with uh, you know an individual that has mental health issues uh, or just an individual in general, right? Uh, what are those What are those key takeaways that you really want them to get from today's conversation? Mm, I love that. The first thing is remember fairy dust on the front side, right? Find a reason to to say you matter to me. Remind remind them that they matter to you. That's why you're wanting to have this conversation or that you appreciate the role that they've played in your life or that you want to hear what they have to say. Um, secondary, ask, help me understand. Why are, or why are we here? What, what do you need from me? Right? Help me understand where you are. If we can get to understanding and we can allow the communication to be about understanding, then I'm not trying to enroll you in what I think needs to happen. I'm going to hear what you have to say. And the last principle that I would say is take good care of yourself if you're in a supportive role. Don't feel guilty about, right, this person struggling and that you have to struggle along with them. And that's love. That's not love. Love is permission for them to feel the way they feel and to be struggling. And you get to play the support role. So keep yourself feeling as good as possible. And then lastly, don't forget the fun. You got to have some moments of joy and as, as, and I know it's difficult when we get down and out, but realize that's the part that's kind of bled out, right? Mm-hmm. It's, it's the part that's helped us arrive at where we are. So we don't have to wait until the problem is solved in order to, to pick up and create a moment of novelty or a moment that puts a smile on our face. We can do that anytime. And I think a lot of our listeners are 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 really going to be helped by what you said when you said that don't take the responsibility on yourself to fix them. Because I think a lot of times we feel like, well, I must be doing something wrong if they're not better. What do I need to do more of? And and yeah, sometimes we call it being an empath and, and sort of thing. But it's okay if somebody's not feeling great. I don't have to be the one that fixes them right now. Mm-hmm. In, play, in fact, please don't. Yeah. Um, in the realm of emotional weightlifting that we briefly touched on here, if I start doing the emotional weightlifting for the relationship, it's a lose-lose. Mm-hmm. I'm going to lose and so are they. Why? Because they're not going to do the emotional weightlifting they need to do it in order to get stronger. You're doing it all. It's like metaphorically going to the gym and I'm saying, okay, we're going to do this great workout, right? I'm going to do 32 sit-ups. I'm going to do 50 pound barbells and then we're going to take and run for a mile and you're going to feel great when we're done. All right, watch me do it, (laughs) right? That's crazy. Mm -hmm. I I wouldn't expect to feel better by watching you do it all. Mm -hmm. And by the way, if I'm struggling, that's the last thing I'm going to want to do. But if you stop doing it for me, then I've got to do something, right? And that's why I say, How can I support you as soon as you tell me or as soon as your collective team of supporters, whether they be therapist, community, right, church, whatever that system of support is, as soon as you are inspired by one of them to know what it is you want, I'm here. Mm -hmm. Help me know what to do. 
Well, thank you so much, Stacey, for coming in and speaking with yeah, us today you. on this very important topic. I imagine our listeners hopefully feel inspired, enlightened, and maybe even a little bit convicted um, as they can look back and maybe see some of the things that they've been doing wrong in terms of their communication and, and hopefully work to start improving those things. So if you only take one thing away from today's show, remember this. If mental illness is a whole person problem, then it must have a whole person solution. I'm Jonathan Edens. I'm Stacey Bartley. And I'm Amanda Anguish. And you've been listening to The The Brain Brain People People Podcast. Thanks for listening. To hear more episodes, find us on social media, or support us financially, visit thebrainpeoplepodcast.com. 